This episode is made possible by our generous patrons. To learn more, visit patreon.com forward slash ink to film. Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week we cover the end of Sharp Objects. seeing you from a new area now yeah i can see that you're in a different place than before i'm uh coming to you from my hobbit hole my harry potter closet uh someone called it the prayer room on on twitter um i don't know what to call it but yeah it's it's a little room under the stairs right that's what harry potter is in right and in, in the absolutely cupboard yeah yeah i'm in a cupboard and i've i've put padding on the walls so it's my padded room now and maybe I'm just crazy in here talking to myself, and you're a figment of my imagination. Who knows? That's what all this is, yeah. <laughs> but we're talking sharp objects, so we're talking about people who have some some pretty bad mental illnesses that lead them to down some dark paths. So I, I think it's appropriate. <laughs> Hopefully it sounds okay. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I mean, it, we this has been a really interesting project for us. We, we've tried something different with it, right? And we've gotten some feedback from people who said that they enjoyed it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take that as a positive. Definitely let us know if you like the way we did this so that we can try and do it again in the future. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is a cool structure that we should definitely revisit. Um, but I think it does lend itself to a project like this. So Right, like we'll it's see. a mystery in specifically, right? Kind of, yeah. Because it's like if we're doing a, a show that's like spiritually being adapted where it doesn't really work as well to go back and forth. Right, yeah. Because if the adaptation is way different. And we didn't even know that going into this, though. We didn't know how close it was going to be. We just kind of lucked out because this is a really faithful adaptation. I, I think we've said that in previous episodes, but carried through to the end, which I didn't know if there was going to be some big departure. And there is some departures. So basically how we're going to approach this is just simultaneously, we're going to be covering the show and the book because right. they are fairly similar through the end. And we can address like specifics from book and show as we get to each plot point. And so the other thing is that I read and finished the book like an hour before I watched the finale. So it was very fresh in my mind. Sat down because we, we didn't leave. I mean, the last two chapters are very short. I uh, read those and I went and watched. You, on the other hand, watched the show. And when did you read the last two chapters? The next day. The next day. So I read it the next day, yeah. Okay, so I'm really curious. I wonder, I wonder if there's a way we can talk about that without spoiling anything. <laughs> I mean, we can try, yeah. Okay, so what was your... Because I feel like... And, and, and I almost feel guilty as a book reader, book lover to say this, but I feel like you might have got the better, the better experience. That's my suspicion. Um, just because, I don't know, I, I, like there was a, there's a couple of big reveals that it almost felt like undercut that I had read them because the show just delivered so well on that. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, being a show watcher first, I, I think that that was, that was probably the better way to experience it. And I think part of it is kind of how the book structured the last two chapters because it came out of Camille's perspective 
and it basically went into like this listing facts. Adora was arrested. Da, 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 da. Like, I guess that's a spoiler, but you know what I mean? It was well, just basically- well, we should say we're going to spoil stuff in the finale on the show. Like that's yeah. If, if you, you, you shouldn't be listening to this if you haven't seen the finale of at least the TV series. Right. We say that without unequivocally. <laughs> yes. Okay. So all of this is going to be spoilers from here on. But yeah, so like the, uh, the way that in the book, it was basically just laid out for you after that moment where Richard saves Camille in the book. It basically just from then on is like she went to the hospital, Adora was arrested, they found details in her house. Right. Like it's like lays out it's like this epilogue that lays out everything that happened, basically. Which right. is funny because it wasn't called epilogue. I think it was just called chapter eighteen. Or maybe it did have a subtitle of epilogue. There was remember. an epilogue though. Was it? Like the last chapter was epilogue. Yeah. yeah, and it was written in a different like you said, like kind of a different voice and a different style almost. Mm-hmm. Well the epilogue was the other stuff. The epilogue was like once Ama had been taken in by Camille. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. See, it's funny because the, the, the book actually might be fresher in your mind than it is mine because you read it more recently. <laughs> Whereas now it's like, I feel like it's been covered up by the show because I watched the show and now that's like the thing that's that's really sticking out in my head. So for me, I think that, I mean, I do think that the show did a better job of kind of wrapping it. And again, maybe that's, we've talked about it in our past coverage, but maybe that's Gillian Flynn being able to, with hindsight, you know, craft something that that she likes more well i don't know yeah and i think the help of other people i think especially all the scenes that happen at the house uh adora's house i i felt like had been taken up a notch now like i liked him in the book but we talked about it in that last step in that last book episode i believe where i said like i felt like some of those scenes were a little rushed and i thought that was something they delivered on the show they were able to really milk those scenes for the and pun intended with the title of the episode there. <laughs> um, <laughs> not intended at all. <laughs> um, but they were able to to draw out the drama um, that I felt like was kind of a missed opportunity in the book. So it, it was something I was happy to see. So yeah, let's just jump into the actual coverage. I'm going to read the synopsis of, of episode eight. It's called Milk. Camille returns home to find her family seated for dinner. She pretends to be sick to divert Adora's attention away from Ama. Adora poisons Camille to the point of near death. Richard knocks on the door and asks for Camille. The stepfather states that she is at a girlfriend's house. Richard arrives later with Chief Vickery, and Adora is arrested for poisoning her daughters. Richard finds bloody pliers that match the earlier murders. While recovering at the hospital, Richard tells Camille that her mother poisoned her with rat poison, and Amma built a tolerance towards it over the years while she did not. Amma moves with Camille to St. Louis and befriends a girl named May, who goes missing one day. Camille finds a tooth inside Amma's dollhouse and realizes the floor of one room is made entirely of teeth. Amma sees Camille looking at the tooth and says slyly, don't tell Mama. In a mid-credits scene, Amma is seen with her friends killing Anne, then Natalie. Further on in the credits, it shows her killing Mai, or May. Yeah, I I, want to go back and kind of hit things chronologically, I think. Because I have a lot to say about the end, and I don't want to, like, jump on the fact that there's stuff at the beginning as well (laughs) that I want to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so first off, and her walking up to the house, um, it was it was it was really powerful because having that week off and it's I feel like it had been looming in my mind, right? Like, what's it going to be like when she actually gets into that house? And to have her start the episode with her walking up and she hears voices, I think like she hears memories. You know, what if a part of you stays behind when you die? Like that that thing, and and I can't maybe one other memory. And she's she's approaching the house and she comes in and they're all already seating like sitting there waiting for her, um, and it's almost surreal. Like I, I I feel like 
this is something where I wish I had a more classical background in like education because I think this is referencing something and I can't put my finger on it. What it was for me is that it played with the idea. It felt almost biblical or like some sort of cult or like seance type thing. She comes in and then sees the family sitting around like this and Amma has the crown on. Yeah. And then she starts talking about like the, the Greek gods and Persephone and Hades. And it felt very much like a, something you would hear from in right. one of those. It's like, almost ancient... mythical, you mean. Right. Yeah, because I, I, yeah. I got the same feel like it was um, you hear about bacchanalias and stuff right these these like big dinners and worshiping these old gods and especially with ama dressed that way and all the talk of persephone i think it does it does bring that up now do you did you do any research into persephone at all no i just knew i I was like super into greek mythology for a little while so like i I was familiar okay so i just did i i feel like i knew some of this stuff but i i touched up on it for the for the show earlier and um, I didn't do a ton of research, but what I saw is it seems like this was a story about a beautiful maiden who is essentially kidnapped by Hades, taken to the underworld, and made, like, forced to be his bride. And over time, she develops almost like a um, Stockholm Syndrome and starts to, like, quote-unquote love him, but there's Zeus and people, like, openly don't know if it's, if it's if he's somehow being coerced. And... So they come up with this, I, I forget why, the politics of of uh, Olympus or whatever, but they just, they come up with this uh, compromise where she's going to spend half the year in the underworld and half the year in Olymp- on Olympus. And this myth is to explain the cycling of the seasons. And essentially when she's in the underworld, it's fall and winter, and when she's in Olympus, it's spring and summer. So it's like life and death, the cycle of life and death and the cycle of life. And and I think about this myth and how it might connect to this story, I think in really interesting ways, right? Like it's not, this isn't a retelling of that myth, obviously, but what it, you could say that it is drawing a lot from that, right? Like a, especially kind of the violence inherent there, women being used potentially. Like we, we talk about Calhoun Day was, was, was celebrating this girl being, you know, attacked so maybe it's something with that. And then also like life and death. And we've talked about the cycle of suffering passed on through generations in this family. I don't know. Like, I, can you make connections there? Well, I think I want to say that some of this stuff was was like laid out in, in the book or something. And just basically talking about when she is in Haiti, when she's in, in the underworld with Hades, and she's like having to, to, to basically be associated with the dead. Um, she doesn't like really enjoy it but then once she's back on the surface with like everyone else living her normal life nobody will nobody will associate with her anymore she's basically like in both situations not happy right because even though she goes back to where she wants to be she still isn't isn't like able to be a normal person there and it's it's the same way when she goes to the underworld so i feel like for me it's it's a lot of that like double life that ama has to lead where she's like in front of her friends, this one type of person, and then in front of her mom, maybe it's like her back in the underworld where she's not happy to be there, but she like feels like having Adora, you know, take care of her is also controlling Adora. And then once she goes back to the other people, she's people associate with her and stuff, but she doesn't treat them well. So I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of what I get from it. Well, and then I started thinking about what if what if you and tell me if I'm onto anything here. <laughs> you could view uh, Wind Gap almost as the underworld and you could view everywhere else or Chicago if you want as sort of like you know the non-underworld where that's Olympus or just like earth and you know Camille having to descend to the underworld 
uh, Adora's there as Hades, uh, you know, reigning from her like house that's floored with the teeth of the damned kind of thing, you know, and and and, and Ama is kind of her prisoner there, and she's been tainted by this, obviously. And um, all she wants is 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 kind of like approval from Adora. It seems like, and it's driven her insane, and and love. I don't know. I, I feel like there this myth is 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 very intertwined in the story, and I like that she laid it out for us by by having a character dress up as Persephone and say I identify with Persephone. Um, I think that it's like it lampshades it so that we can have these discussions, and it's not just something very. Um, abstract, where it's like, yeah, you're, you're you're really stretching it there. It's like, no, this is in the text, and this is in the show. Like, this is very direct. Um, yeah. So I think there is a lot there. The the way that this scene plays out when she, when Camille comes in, Alan like is like very forceful about like having her sit down. Yeah, and, you're like, right. I almost feel like he might represent some sort of like for me, not necessarily Hades, like in the in this in my analogy, like Hades, but he he is like sort of this the ideal um, Wingapian, where it's like. He is so blissfully unaware of everything. Anything evil is pushed aside, and like he's like the embodiment of that. Maybe there's something there as well. This is another time where I wish I had read Dante's Inferno because I'm also thinking about. I wonder if Camille could be said to be like Dante, traveling into the underworld, right? Yeah, and the and, seven seven levels, right? Right, yeah, like the seven that. levels of hell, which is a different. It's like you know more biblical, I think. But regardless, um, what about Alan as like a Cerberus type? Um, creature like he's he's this servant right to Hades doing 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 his bidding or her bidding in this case Adora's bidding because yeah and it's it's it, in both cases Alan is made out to be almost innocent by virtue of like ignorance right he just like was blind to it somehow um, but also like he was complicit for sure though right. But he's it's like it's like a forced blissfulness. It's like he he's like knowingly ignoring things. Yeah. Choosing to ignore you're saying he's like choosing to be ignorant about it. Yeah. I right. agree with that. Well let's get into what actually happens. I mean, I think I think there is a lot there and I, I bet you like a week from now or a few days from now, someone will have a big write up on some published on a, you know, an article and it's gonna be like, Yes, that's what it and they're gonna break it all down. But I just I'm don't sure, have yeah. I don't have all the knowledge base right now or the time to do the research. Uh, with the move and everything, but th- I feel like there is a lot there. So, I mean, at, at this dinner, she ends up eating the food. Were you a little worried that some of the food may have been poisoned as they were eating it? Because she kept, like, li- lingering on the food and, like, looking at it a lot in the well, drinks. Well, and, and she also, I noticed, um, you know, I didn't think that, but that's a good point. I mean, why, I don't know why I didn't, but but with maybe just because I had read the book already, so I knew that it, she didn't get poisoned at the dinner, but... Camille definitely lingers, her gaze lingers on the knife, I noticed at one point. Now, is is you could argue that maybe the knife is more like, I could pick that up and, and stab Adora. Because right. she is furious with Adora. Not only, it's inter- I really love the way Amy Adams portrays this, right? Like, she is, she is furious with Adora because of what she's just discovered about her killing Marion. But then she also is terrified. Like, you can tell she is deeply terrified of this woman and what she's going to do well i don't know if she's even necessarily terrified for herself also it's just like ama at this point yeah she, well, she knows that ama's next up and she doesn't she thinks that ama's innocent i think it's and all both this. though because it's like if you strip away everything else you know this this little woman who you could overpower who doesn't actually have any power over you right but all mm-hmm. of her power in this situation is built up in this family dynamic 
and the fact that that is Camille's mother, right? And for so long has loomed so large. And so Camille can't just be like, fuck you, I'm taking Amor, we're getting out of here, you're poisoning her. You know what I mean? Like, she can't say that. She has to kind of play the game and, and act, because that's what she does here. She says, Mama, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sick. Take care of me. And she kind of takes the bullet for Amma, right? Instead of... I love that part, yeah. Instead of... instead of Is it Amma or Amma, by the way? So it's Amma. It's Amma, but I've said Amma for so long that it's just stuck. Okay, yeah. My wife pointed out that I... that I, I guess I say it wrong on the episode a lot, but then when I talk to her, I say Amma. I don't know. Um, it's probably I th- my... I think it's my fault. I think it's literally <laughs> like it got seated in my head and then I was like, this is how I'm going to say it. For me, it's like... It's like I was thinking of it as like Anna. Some people say Anna. Right. And then some people say Anna. Yeah. So for me, just like reading it, I don't know, for whatever reason, that just got stuck in my head that it was Amma. Well, regardless, <laughs> that character, <laughs> um, I, we're going to fuck it up, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the episode. So, yeah, Camille Camille jumps in the in the way of this, right? Because um, Adora is about to take Ama up to, to poison her. And that's when Camille uh, kind of heroically takes her place. Now, this plays out a little differently in the book, right? Like, I don't remember it being as direct, like, I'm going to save her. I don't think. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you remember it? Maybe I just didn't. I thought that what happened in the book was more directly connected to her injuries that she got when she like collided with Amma. Amma. You know what I mean? Like she was like from that moment she started giving her the medicine. There was no like break in between it. And in this case. Oh yeah, you're right. In this case. Well, I guess there was a a little bit of a break because she went and like had sex with John Keen. But like when she gets back, her mom is like treating her wounds and stuff. And that's when she like really, or yeah, because um, Richard basically says like, go back, act like nothing happens. And then when she goes back, she decides on her own to like take the medicine to have it as, as evidence. She Yeah, see, that's the, that's the difference. I think a key difference. Well, there's two there. Uh, first off, I think the show is much more believable in having the police not quite know what's going on yet. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the book, Richard already knows, and he's just like, we're going to come in tomorrow, so just go and pretend like nothing's amiss, and, and we'll be there tomorrow. The sh- yeah. and, and which I thought was kind of silly, almost, to go put someone at danger, right? Like, in danger like that. Go, go, you know, hang out with the serial killer. Whereas in the show, he hasn't quite put everything together. They haven't quite come around to Adora being who it is. They still think it's John. Mm-hmm. And so it creates this really nice drama of, are they going to get there in time? You know, uh, is she going to get killed? All that stuff, right? So secondly, Camille in the book takes the poison to provide proof because she knows that the police need proof to tie Adora to these murders, right? I don't think that's really, I don't think that's really what's happening in the show. But, so I agree with you. I, I, I agreed with you until she was telling her, she was saying like more mama. She was asking her to take more of the of the medicine. Like, why would she do that other than to have so much of it in her system that it would show up? Was she trying to die or something in the show? Maybe, but yeah, but I think you could also read it as her trying to die because she's repeatedly been shown to be suicidal. I think a little bit. You could read it in. The, you could read it both ways, and I guess it's open to interpretation. But you could read it as her saying. This is what I was supposed to do. This is the way I was supposed to die. You know what I mean? Like I, I should be like Marion and accept mm-hmm. this. Or, or you could say maybe she's still dr- like she doesn't want to let Adora go to, Aunt, to go to Amma, right? Like if I keep her here, giving it to me, she's not giving it to Amma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was tough though, and 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 it was such a different 
sort of scene. That's the other thing I want to give this this show credit for that I don't know that we've talked about enough. Like, this is a very different sort of serial killer, right? Um, and well, you know, obviously there's like two here um, between Adora and Emma. Adora, who's like the slow poisoning mother, and and this com- final confrontation that has everything from like I think in like Silence of the Lambs, right? Like you got Jodie Foster walking around in the dark with the you know Buffalo Bill and the night vision goggles and the drama of that, right? It's mm-hmm. that's what you normally get, where this like lurking serial killer is like gonna attack you physically and and, and you know all this stuff. Whereas this was a very different sort of confrontation. This is this loving like you know on the surface thing whereas underneath it's just as dark right where she's 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 lovingly poisoning her daughter Mm -hmm. and the those two things together is so unsettling yeah it's it's crazy because you could say because of a mental illness adora almost feels like she's doing something she thinks is the right thing to do yeah because it's like taking care of your daughter is something that you should you should definitely do but she feels she needs the attention so bad and she needs to feel important so bad that she's willing to hurt them to try to help them. Yeah. And it really gets into, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think the reason that that can work is it gets into the kind of psychology of a pathological liar like this, because she has to be right. Like she has to believe that to do the things she's done, she's doing right. Or, or do you think she knowingly, because at some point she's taking rat poison and putting it in the bottle and giving it to her daughters, right? Like some part of her has to know that that's what she's doing. But I think there's another part of her that's lying to herself about it somehow. Where does the lie end and the, and the truth begin? And, and d- does Adora realize what she's doing underneath it all? Or is it as she's fully convinced herself that she's actually giving them some sort of medicine? Well, I think it's more subtle in the show because in the book we get that diary that's found right and she kind of talks about her reasoning behind it yeah. i feel like that makes her seem more malicious and more like wanting of attention was the reason why she ended up killing them in the end because everyone's being so nice to me now that marion's dead well you're right because she does say there's a, that chilling line in the diary where she says um i think i went too far this time or something like that and that's when she killed marion was right. like almost an accidental um she just gave her too much Right, but then it was okay but then because she afterwards, did yeah, afterwards. But I've got, I got so much. Everyone's being so nice to me, you know. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I found that that part was actually really chilling. But you're right; that does kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on on what's going on with her. Whereas in the show, it's it is a little more subtle because you don't know. We never really see her confronted with the realities of what she's done. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't because we don't we're, we don't get that conversation between Ama and her at the end in the show. Where she goes to meet, like, like see her, and it's it's and it's and it's. And I think in both the show and book, it's really interesting how Ama or Ama almost idolizes her still, like because we hear about, and I don't know if this is the thing in the show, but in the book, uh, it's said that Ama is is constantly researching women serial killers, and in the show, which to me was was like a, was a sign that she really was looking up to her mother. Uh, in the show, we see her going and having this friendly seeming conversation with her in jail. Right, where Camille can't even stand to be in the room, but you can clear that Emma is like, you know, putting her hand up on the glass and and missing her mother. And um, I just, I don't know, I like that. And it's, it's you know, obviously because Emma is also a serial killer, so that 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 da- that dynamic is so fucked up. I don't know. So uh, something that happens in between the dinner 
and the stuff that we're talking about is Vickery and Richard interrogating John Keane and kind of their relationship and how Richard sees that he, from the interrogation, they basically just realize that, I think that Richard realizes that it's not John and that him and Vickery have that conversation on the stairs where he says anybody can be forced to become guilty or to plead guilty if you press hard enough, even if they're innocent. And then they also kind of talk about the Camille-Richard relationship and also like mirror that to the Vickery-Adora one that we don't know much about and kind of just he apologizes. Vickery says, I'm sorry about what happened. And Richard's like, there's nothing to be sorry for. And it, it's kind of this moment where we see the parallels for those two characters having interacted with these Preaker girls. I also want to shout out a series on YouTube. Um, do you, are you familiar with Vsauce? I think i've talked yeah. about him before we've talked about him on the podcast before yeah. yeah so he has a series i think called mind hunter or something like that mind no not mind hunter that's the netflix show i know uh, you're talking about the red his red series yeah his youtube red series yeah i can't think of what it's called it's mind something mind something I, yeah i can't remember either i got the i got the subscription for like as a trial and watched it mm-hmm. just because i was curious about that show in particular he did an entire episode about false confessions and this this just made me think of that and um, I just want to say, go watch that episode if you if you get a chance, because it it they as a social experiment, essentially did this, and um, I think they had like ten subjects or, or I can't remember the exact number. It wasn't that many though, and they were able to get one of them to confess falsely to something they did not do. Was it something? It wasn't something bad, obviously. No, it was. It was, it was like small. it was like um, I can't remember the. I mean, we're getting on the weeds here, but it was like the the experiment was like. Uh, they came in for a job interview and then, uh, there was like two people and then like one person left and then they came back and really angry and were like, we, we, you know, we know that you did this thing. I can't remember what it was like stole something. Um, and, and they were accusing them of stealing something. It was pretty serious. And, uh, they were able to convince, I, I like, you'd have to watch the episode to see like all the ways they did it, but they were able to convince somebody to, ad- to admit to being guilty to something they didn't do. And essentially, it was what he was saying. Like you can, you can break somebody who isn't, who hasn't even done it. And that's what it was. They, there's this technique where you make it seem like everything that's going on right now is so unpleasant for you, and it's only going to get worse. And your only out to make it not as bad is to admit to what you did. And right. eventually, people will sometimes take that, even though they didn't do the thing, because they get convinced that they just want every, they just want this to stop. And this is the only way to get it to stop. That's what I was thinking is like, uh, think of a non-confrontational person being right. confronted with something like this. And so even if they stole something, what are they going to have to do? Pay pay back the price of whatever it was. Right. And so, f- some people will just pay that off and p- for the inconvenience of being hassled by this, this situation. Like they'd yeah. rather just be like, whatever, I took it. Here's the money or whatever slap on the wrist. And what's crazy is me. there are people who have life sentences in prison for this because they yeah. believed that admitting to something was going to get them off. You know what I mean? Going to get them off. And then like they get a life sentence for it because they admitted to something like that to killing somebody they didn't kill stuff like that. Like it actually does happen anyway, uh, way in the weeds. Uh, just go watch that series. And in general, Vsauce's channel is amazing. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, back to the episode at hand though. Sorry for that. So, I mean, next up we get Vickery is in the barbershop and then he's like, Alan walks in and they almost have a confrontation. Oh yeah, there. that was fun. <laughs> so passive aggressive Alan as he's walking out the door, you know, throws this little like passive aggressive, well, they're as much as I am or whatever, more than I am. And then he just like, and then he's like, come back in here. And then he just disappears. 
Alan's so weak. I don't know. Like, I, it's hard for me not to kind of just hate him. Like, I don't feel sorry for him anymore. I just hate him. Yeah, he sucks. I also think it's interesting that Vickery was kind of just saying, like, come in here and let's talk it out like men in this barbershop. Like, what could have uh, what could have come from that? You know what I mean? What did Vickery, What was the goal here? Vickery just wanted well, to talk Well, I don't know. Him. I mean, and, like, we don't know. I don't think we ever got confirmation of what Vickery's actual, like, did they actually, have they actually ever done anything? Or has it just I been, so. I think so. Has it just been that they've been flirting? I think it's heavily implied because when he's talking to Richard, he says stuff about how Adora needs attention, but she'll get angry if you give her too much attention. And it, I think, I don't know, the staring at Calhoun Day and then this. Yeah. And kind so of just, are you are you aware of this theory that's been going around on the Internet uh, that Vickery was is actually Camille's father? No, I'm not. But that's that's also very interesting. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think that the show does enough to back that theory up. Um, and I think the book more heavily implies that he is not. This is, I think, a show-only thing. Dude, now that you say that, it's making a lot more. The show The show is making me think a lot more about that because it's got to... I think that's that might be that might be a thing. Like, I yeah. seriously, like, I, th- I, I don't see, know. See, but my one thing that makes me think it's not is I don't get that interaction between Vickery and Camille at all. Like, I don't get that as a subtext of their interaction at all. Well, the whole thing of it is, is, like, does Vickery even know? I think he would have to know, wouldn't he? Like, I mean, if he if he had sex with her around the time she had a child, he's as far as we know, he's known her from the beginning. I I just don't think it's possible that he wouldn't know that that, that Camille was his was his child. I don't know, and I could see that maybe their relationship was so bad they didn't end up get, sticking together. But I just can't imagine Vickery would treat Camille the way he does, um, if he was actually the father. So I just, I don't personally like that theory. Like I, I get why people say it. And I think there is a reason to, to think about it. But the book also outlines basically that it was a stranger in a different town. Right. But who's to say that that wasn't a lie? Like didn't Adora tell us that? Yeah. I don't know. There is an interesting kind of like mystery parentage thing going on there. Who's the father. Um, But I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it's worth getting bogged down on right here. I think it's probably the answer to this question is it's another one of those situations where a mystery director or sorry, mystery writer wants you to think one way or the other on this issue, but give you no concrete answer. Yeah. And you, and she, and Gillian Flynn layers in all these mysteries. Right. And, and I can see some people might, I wonder if people got frustrated with that, but in the show, there's a lot of these scenes in the past, right. With like, where we don't really get concrete answers about what happened exactly. We're left our, our it's left to our imaginations, right? Like what exactly happened with her and the football players? What exactly happened? You know what I mean? Like we don't ever get that as a scene or something where it's like, okay, right. now we know the truth. But we kind of know because the But dude, we kind of know, right? Calhoun guy, like but, he was like saying like we raped you basically, right? He apologized he for apo- it. Yeah, yeah. I know, but like, I I do think there might be some people who are, who would be frustrated because they wanted to know concrete answers. And like the, the thing about the, um, the lesbian couple who got murdered or maybe committed suicide. And that was like a mystery that was in the book and the show they talk about briefly. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. You oh, oh, the yeah, mom it's like, and it's then like, the, the, it's... the girl. Um, I remember now the, the daughter was in response to that, like having sex with like a lot of guys to like kind of offset the fact that people were making fun of her yeah because her, yeah, yeah. her mom was a lesbian who had who had mysteriously died way right. back and, that, and that's kind of like we talked about that with comparison i don't remember to, that in the show that was in the show it was in the show yeah they mentioned it briefly 
and gotcha. and I can see people getting into the weeds and being like, I gotta know that like that mystery has to be revealed as well. But I think a lot of the mysteries of this town are just like gonna remain mysteries. I and, think that's the point, yeah. And I think um, we should go ahead and address. There's been a lot of people who've been asking about: Is there gonna be a season two? Is there gonna be a season two? Right, and, and and it's understandable because the show is so good, and like these characters are so great, and you want to live on with them, right? But right. I, I think unequivocally, there's not going to be, unless unless Gillian Flynn comes out and says, "I'm writing another Sharp Objects book," but um, I can't imagine that's going to happen. It might. I opinion. mean, this is this is where I land on it. I can't imagine that they'll make more of it because it makes money and because people are interested in it. But do I think that there should be? No, this is where I stand on like a lot of these things is that too much of a good thing is going to turn sour. Like if you just if you're making it for the wrong reasons, then it's not going to it's not going to hold up a candle to the uh, yeah. to the See, you know, I just don't, I just don't buy it mainly because I have too much respect for HBO. They did it with Big Little Lies. But it, was that based off of source material? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. It's based on a book and then they made the first season and then there's no and then they're making it based on something completely they have no more source material to go off of and they're making season 2. But what story is there left to tell here? I guess is my question too. Well, I mean, you haven't seen Big Little Lies, but like I feel the same way about that. Okay. Well, so so this is where I was going what I was going to say. I think if they do a season 2 of this, it's not really a season 2, but what they could do is bring back the showrunner, bring back the director and have them do um What's it called? Dark Places, I believe, is another Gillian Flynn novel. Now, that has been adapted, but the ad- adaptation, from what I've heard, is very subpar. It was like a made-for-TV movie, basically, or made-for-TV, mm-hmm. like, limited series on something, you know, like, Lifetime Network or something. Um, apparently, it was very poor, and a lot of people feel like it deserves a better adaptation. So I could see them bringing back a lot of the same creative people, but having a whole new cast, almost like a, you know what I mean, like a... Almost like they do a True Detective, right? Where it is mm-hmm. kind of another season, but it's almost a whole separate story. And I can see them coming back and doing a different novel of Gillian Flynn's. But it wouldn't be called Sharp Objects. No, it wouldn't be called Sharp Objects. So it right. wouldn't. So even be you're a... saying what you're saying? It wouldn't even be a sequel series at all. It would just be another adaptation of something that she wrote. But they could potentially bring back the same creative team. So in that sense, you would be getting more. Like you like you liked what Jean-Marc Vallée did with this, right? And you liked the way they built this show, and you want to see them back. That might you might get that. I could see that. Um, yeah. Now, I should also say Gillian Flynn on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. I think we re- I retweeted it on the account. She said like a big thank you to them, and then she said more soon in that tweet. Did you right. look, Did you scroll down the comments? People were freaking out, but the People thing were is, losing like, their mind about the more soon. But she then, yeah, she she then later said like all she meant was she had more gratitude to give, and she wanted to thank more people later. Not she was saying. There's more soon. There's more coming from this show. There's more coming from this this story, and I, I think that is basically a confirmation as well from the author that 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 there is not more soon from Sharp Objects. So unfortunately, I think I mean like I, I get the need like I get the sense that you want more, but I think uh, I think we all just need to be happy with what we got here. That's my opinion I, at least. I completely agree, and I feel this way about so many shows and so many. It gets to the point where. You don't need more of it. Just rewatch it again because you're not going to enjoy the second season like you did the first. Like, like, and that's that's. The, I'm just painting with broad strokes right now, but I'm just saying in general, I would much rather see a perfect show remain untouched rather than come out with a second season and not have it have the same creatives behind it, not have it the same the same drive or story to tell, and then we fall off a cliff and and have a situation where the show's just remembered for the second season or something. It's just, yeah. I, and I almost, and like, this is probably blasphemy for a lot of people who listen to this, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even going to say it. Cause it's just no, no, you gotta say it. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. So 
I feel I feel uh look, I go out on the limb, man. I see you out on the end right. of the limb, you're out in the cold. I'm going off I, on I it. Okay, so, I'm ready to cut so, the branch as soon as you get out there. My argument is that if if Walking Dead would have ended with season one, it would be a masterpiece that would be remembered forever as as a standalone piece of, of TV that, that nobody could touch. But we get season two and then we get season three with the prison and then we, we get in the weeds and they don't know what story they want to tell and they spin their wheels for five or six seasons. They lose the they had the biggest show on TV and they lose the fan base. And now they're like, how do we write off all these characters and end the show yeah. in, in, in a disgrace, in my opinion, a more disgraceful way yeah. than going out on a high. We could have a whole nother episode about Walking Dead easily uh, because there's a lot that happened with that show. Changed showrunners many times. Uh, several times the original showrunner's vision was a, a much stronger in my opinion than what we got later he, well, he, wanted, to do, he wanted to like, do yeah Dar- he wanted to yeah. do like an art house zombie show almost which and, is kind of what he tried to do yeah in the and, first season and i agree season one is amazing i don't know if it's a masterpiece but it is it is a very very solid season of television and i agree they should have kept him um and whether or not they did another season the main thing was they needed to keep him on board but, uh, yeah, I, I was getting ready to ch- chop the branch off, uh, but I, I'm with you. I see what you're saying there. And and what, I'm going to bring it back to the discussion of Sharp Objects and say that I think this is an example of something that I think a lot in a lot of art, and whether it's books or film or TV, we get this all the time, right? And it's, I don't know if it's a uniquely American problem or it's just a human problem, but people want more, right? Like, they see something they like, and they say, I want more of that. Give me more. And I see this all the time in fiction. And people write books, and then they're pressured, and whether it's by the publisher or by the fans, to write more of it. Now, now, and, the, and maybe they wrote a trilogy, and they want they're pressured to write more of it. And I think there is a point where we have to realize that you know there's such thing as too much of a good thing. That's why it's a cliche, right? You can love something, but you know, like you can love a steak dinner and the most amazing filet mignon dinner or whatever. But like if you eat that every night for a year, like you're not going to love it anymore. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and there's, there's some of that with shows too. Like you just can't, unfortunately, as much as we want to replicate that experience over and over and over again, it just doesn't work every time. Like certain stories just need to be self-contained. That's my soapbox moment for the week. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And like, I get on here as well for the most part, like I'm, I'm guilty of it. Right. It's like, if, if I love something, I'm like, Oh my gosh, you, the the in the back of your mind you're thinking like if they don't bring everybody back it might not be as good but like you need more content you need more and it, it would be so nice to be more to have more but i think as creatives we're taught like less is more and like you tell your story and you get out and like if i if we can keep going down this path because there's another thing that i want to name um so a show like lost mm. um <laughs> well, yeah. when you get in when you get into it that show had to go so many they had to, they had to, at that point in creating television they were at a period where they had to negotiate their end date because the they wanted the network wanted to just keep going forever. Yeah. And the creatives were like, "We're the shows in like it's having like decreasing returns right now. We need to end the show before it gets really bad." And it's just like the 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 idea that you get in and you tell your story. Um, and I think the British do it really well, actually. Like they they tell their story, and whether it was one episode, two episodes, three episodes, one season to six seasons, like they tell their story and they get out. Yeah. Well, you could argue. I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're getting into all the television here. Uh, Sherlock on BBC, right? Some people would argue that uh, the most recent season maybe was uh, was too far, went too far. Um, They're being Americanized though. Like that's right. the American audience that's pressuring demanding them more. It. Yeah, yeah. I but when that show was only was when it was a strictly British, uh, what more British show like season one and season two, they took like a couple year gap between season two and three. All right, man. We we got to get we got to get back to sharp objects. Or, or <laughs> we're gonna get, get our first one star review as someone gets pissed off at us for not talking about the thing. <laughs> all right um, back to sharp objects uh, <laughs> fair enough if that happens <laughs> um so so well let me say there's there's a big difference here too right we get um curry um in the show shows up at the house to mm-hmm. be there when 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 they find camille and in the book that doesn't happen so i wanted to touch a little bit on if, if, you, if you're if you're if you're ready to move on from vickery uh the difference in 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 their relationship in the show in the book mm-hmm well, it's funny because in our episode where we were trying to make predictions, we made this like re- this prediction that like maybe Curry would show up and like save the day. And we were like, maybe he won't. We I kind of felt like that was the weaker story to tell, to have him like swoop in and save the day. And this show that's been primarily female led and, and like championing these female characters to have yeah. a male character swoop in and save the day seemed like a little low hanging to me almost. But they did it in a way that I really liked in the show. Like I, yeah. I did end up really liking. Because he doesn't really because... save her. Like there's not much he can do in that moment. It's well, he more does. Just like it's more just like he comes in. Yeah, you're right. Because he's the one who notifies Richard, right? Right. They swoop in and save the day. Yeah. But I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it because I. I think the reason that the show earns it is because the relationship between Camille and Curry that they have over the phone throughout the course of the series. Well, and that's backed up in the book too. Uh, as much as I want to say they're different, they're, 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 they are the same, but presented differently. I think in both um, Irene and Curry, especially are stand-ins for sort of a surrogate parent, like surrogate family. It's the family she never had. Camille never had. Right. And in the, and in the book, we get that very strongly um, after what happens with Emma where the, she kind of ends up moving in with them and being their ward. And they like, have to take care of her and give her the love that she never got to rehabilitate her. Um, which, there's a big change there I want to talk about. Should I talk about it now or should I save it? Let's just talk about it. We're here. Okay, so just so you know, there is there is something um, that happens in the book that is extremely triggering for people and um, does not happen in the, sh- in the show. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil it. Uh, so check out now if you don't want it spoiled, but so Camille in the, in the book driven by what happens with Amma, the revelation that Amma is a serial killer, uh, goes into the bathroom and takes a knife and carves up the spot on her back that she's been saving, quote unquote saving. Um, right. And, and she goes, she cuts again in a very brutal kind of bloody scene. And that doesn't happen in the show. In the show, we get the more rosy, like, it seems like Camille... Now, I guess it, it ends before that happens, I guess you could argue in the show. Um, but we don't see Camille cut again. And I think... So that leaves the show as kind of a different sort of... Like, you don't get that backslide um, mm-hmm. into her old ways. Whereas in the book, it's darker, I think, because of that. That detail alone is darker because we see her go back to that thing that she's been trying to overcome. and And she's driven back to it. And and, mm-hmm. and 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 I think it still ends on a positive note because I think we, we, we can read between the lines and see that that um, she is going to, I think, get better over time with, in the show or in the book. In the, well, in the in the book, I think I think we see that being, living with Curry and, I, and Irene, like she's going to get rehabilitated. She's getting the love she never had. And even though she's this like 
adult child at this point who has to be like taken care of and like they have to keep sharp objects away from her and, and all this stuff again she's kind of relapsed i don't know i guess i i wanted to think that she's on the right path at the end mm. i think i think in the book i agree with you um in the show because we don't get that scene i think that I, we've talked about it on the podcast. I I like ambiguous endings because it leads to conversation and it leads to the, it, it almost gives you a way to use your imagination in a show where they're showing you everything that's happening. You know what I mean? Leaving it ambiguous, you use your imagination to fill in the blanks for the ending. And I think that it's a, it's a stronger ending because it also leaves somebody, even if you've read the book, you, it's surprising because it's like, oh, where was that scene? Oh, does she do that in the end? Like after that, we cut to black. Yeah, and I think I think there are some differences in in medium there because I think people expect more details in a book. Like people want to know more of the kind of like denouement, like the falling action of the story. They want to know more of those. Whereas, in they can be okay in a show that just gives us some couple flashes, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which specifically... I thought this was really unique, and I I, I want to talk about this. Um, but I think we should jump back to one more thing before we finish up, get to the very very end. Okay, and I have one more thing too. So uh, I want to talk about the scene where Camille is actually trying to call f- for she can hear Richard Dumble in like in, um, trying to come inside and Alan's turning him away, which I think completely makes him complicit in all yeah, of it because right. he lies. He, he knows in that moment. Yeah. You're right. He, he's but lying. he doesn't get arrested or anything. We never see him get arrested. No. Well, so and there's another people. Yeah. There's another group of people who don't get arrested that we need to talk about at the end. Yeah. <laughs> This the scene where Camille is like powerless. She can't she can't call for help. She's trying to and she's like stumbling around the house. And then we get that that stomach dropping moment where we see that Alma didn't leave the house to go get help. She was just been playing in her dollhouse the whole time. She's been playing with a dollhouse when she's like drugged up. And it's just this moment of just like you're like, oh, at least maybe Alma got away. But since she didn't, it was the moment of me being like, OK, yeah, so Alma did it probably. Well, I wanted she to didn't. ask you about that because uh, we, 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 we somehow we've made it this far into the episode without mentioning uh, this was my theory when we were mm-hmm. t- breaking down theories. Right. Yeah. This was my theory. My theory was that Alma was actually the serial killer, um, even though Adora is the one who killed Marion and that Alma specifically was. Now, I thought she was just hiding her teeth. I didn't quite make the leap. And I should shout out, um, Caitlin wrote in. Yeah. Um, my sister, <laughs> uh, wrote in and, uh, she, she, she was like, yeah, you, you were talking about the teeth, but what if they were used to be the floor in the house? And like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, of course that makes sense. That's what, that's what yeah. she would be doing with it. Um, so I was like, I was like halfway there. I didn't quite get all the way there. She, um, so I bought your I bought your teeth being in the dollhouse thing. Yeah. But I was like, that's not enough. Like I, I kept feeling like that wasn't enough. And then she, yeah, she told me that with the teeth in the in and as the ivory floor. And I was like, that's ex- which I don't know why I didn't exactly because like, I, I, I laid it all out. We talked about like, oh, the teeth are important. It's like just like the ivory. Like we even said that in the episode. For yeah. some reason, I didn't quite connect the dots. I got like ninety nine percent right of the way there and didn't quite. But anyway. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm kind of like impressed with myself because normally when I think I'm gonna like figure shit out in a mystery, I am nowhere near it. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just uh, indulge in myself in a moment of patting of patting on the back of of, of I felt like I I got this pretty pretty good. Like I, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. As the pieces fell into place, I was more and more inclined to agree with you, but I was just like I was like, no, I gotta disagree and find something different. <laughs> so watching that final episode though, like we as of the last one we recorded, we didn't know 
what was going to happen. So what was that experience like of the reveals for you, like uh, of the Amma reveal? And if you could just kind of like tell me like what you were thinking when that was all going down. After the Adora stuff, did you think it was over? And when, No. Because you See, hadn't that's... read the book. I read the book first. So like when she, right. when Amma went and lived with her and you were getting kind of this extended thing, what, what were you thinking? Which is funny because when in our in one of our episodes, I also predicted as like a too happy to be true ending. I was like, yeah, Alma goes and lives with Camille. And then that totally happened, which I had no idea. Like I, I could have. And it was yeah, funny right. because it was like Curry, Curry made it out all right. Like for a second, I thought we were going to get the very happy ending that we predicted. You know what I mean? Like it was it was getting there. Yeah. And uh, but then we got the reveal of the teeth. So, and, so and when like, was it the was it the dinner scene where she uh, she gets mad because her friend she calls her friend just sucking up to Camille? Like, where did you start to go? Like, this isn't just happy ending. OK, so so I mean, not just happy. And like like I was saying before, when 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 Ama didn't go get Richard, I was like, okay, Luke was right. Alma did it. She, the teeth are in the house. And what the like a day before, Caitlin had told me about the teeth in the in the dollhouse. And as soon as she told me that, I was like, okay, Alma, one hundred percent. But as far as like seeing it, um, I knew that everything wasn't all right from the Alma not getting Richard. And then as soon as we saw the other little girl that she was going to be friends with in St. Louis, I was like, okay, it's like I was right about the fact that there was another girl that was going to die. I just didn't think it was going to be this late into the story that another girl was going to die. I didn't think they were going to do it that way in the show. Um, really? So, I, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think um, we were going to get the, the new girl getting killed. Um, I thought... We were going to instead get just a scene of Camille finding the teeth, which we got. You know what I mean? But I didn't think they were going to introduce this other character that they did in the book. But they did it. And that's why I said, like, I was amazed at how faithful this adaptation was. Down to details like that. Um, so I guess I guess the, the, the leaving out the cutting is, is, like, the biggest deviation other than Calhoun Day, right? Right. And I would say that the the leaving out of the cutting is literally just that. It's just leaving it out. It's not saying that it didn't happen. Like yeah. we didn't see her reaction. We just saw her like find it in shock and then it cuts to black, which I think we we, we should talk about that cut to black as well because I think that's an important uh, moment. But going back to the teeth, finding of the teeth, something something that I thought was really interesting that I put together at the very end here was when she looks inside and sees the teeth on the ivory floor, it's incomplete. Yeah. The t- there's not enough teeth to go across the full full ground so that was like that was that that leap where it was like th- there was like that needed perfection in the dollhouse that Amma needed and everything had to be perfect and it was like that control that was passed down from Adora that she needed to kill another girl take her teeth to finish out the flooring which is more of a show thing because in the in the in the book it's no not no really it's like only that. a show thing no it's only yeah. a show thing yeah yeah in the book it's um it's what is it so in the book it's more the that she she was jealous we get we we learn okay so that's another thing we get in the book we learn more why she killed the girls whereas I think a lot of show view watchers might rightfully go why did she kill the girls just for the teeth mm-hmm. whereas in the in the in the book it's 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 laid out for us that Ama or Emma <laughs> killed the girls because they were getting attention from Adora that she was jealous of. And, and, and I, I don't know. I watched a little like post credits um, showrunners kind of talking about why they made certain decisions. And I think they kind of say that, but I don't know how much of it is actually in the show. Um, say what? They talk about Emma's uh, jealousy. They're like, Oh yeah, we, we've been showing Emma being jealous and, and all this stuff. But like, Drive the, they know. definitely drive the nail home at the end. Like there's that moment where they're at the table and she's like 
talking about how she wants to go into politics or journalism and she's yeah. like you're just doing that to suck up to 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 camille, um, camille. Yeah. and like that was really like that was like if you didn't get it like it was driving the point home right there i felt yeah like. yeah i guess i just wonder how many people didn't understand that that's like that's literally why emma kills people right jealousy it is it, jealousy we also got so i think the teeth also look different in the book um, they mm-hmm. were described as being like all broken and shattered and and kind of just like grisly. Whereas in the show, it looked like they had been carefully placed more to look like a floor. Like you could mm-hmm. still see some like gross teeth, like ridges and stuff. But it looked more like they had been built into tiles almost arranged in a way to look more like tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas in the in the show, that was their explanation for how Emma was able to do it. Like because they had said, you know, a, a girl couldn't do, a, a young girl couldn't do this which I don't know if I believe anyway. But then they were saying like, well, she could, as long as you don't care what the tooth looks like when you, once you're done pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think the book and my meet my imagining of how it looked in the book was far more grisly. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think I like the way they did in the show. Cause it was also like disturbing in a different way to have it look almost like it was a floor. I don't know. What is, what is, um, don't tell mama mean to you? as the last line like what is she is she literally just saying like don't tell mama like she's not gonna know or like what do you think that means yeah i don't know because i think maybe emma wants to think that that adora doesn't know that about her and and yeah like she doesn't want her secret to be revealed but this isn't this brings me back to another thing i forgot to mention i think adora did know and i think the proof of that is when richard comes to arrest her she says she she says uh, I th- I, mean, I, wrote it, I wrote it down. I know what you're talking about, but she was talking about. She said she's mentally ill, but she's talking about Camille. She's talking about Camille. I rewound to make sure. I didn't think she was talking about Camille. I think she thinks she thinks that um, Richard is there to arrest Emma. Right. And she and she. I think she's saying she's mentally ill about Emma. Particularly. I agreed with like I I thought that that was what it was as well. But I like specifically rewound like two or three times. And what I took from it is that because she says Camille is mentally ill and you can barely hear it in the background. And then when it cuts over, it's her talking to Richard and she's like, she's mentally ill. You don't understand. So I think maybe it was the filmmaker's intention to make you think one way or the other, like there's something else there. But from I what I got from what it, the filmmaker is making is is leading you to believe she's talking about Camille. But I think what she's actually doing is trying to set up a defense for Emma, because I think because in this moment, Adora doesn't think Richard's there for her because she hasn't right. got, they haven't got the handcuffs out yet. So I think. In this moment, she thinks, oh, shit, Richard's here because he's here to arrest Emma. And I think it's it, to me, it's proof. And, and I don't know, maybe I need to go back and watch it again. But to me, it's proof that Adora knows that Emma is actually the serial killer. The reason the, the, my reasoning for for real like this is why I think it's not is because he she specifically says like the full sentence that she says is um, you can't believe anything that she says. You can't believe her. She's mentally ill. Camille is mentally ill, basically. I never so heard the name. So you're saying you're you're 100 sure she says the name Camille there. 100, yeah. Okay. Well, although it could it could be like that could still be the same way because she could be saying you can't believe Camille because yeah because she's mentally ill so you can't believe what she said. But she could still be yeah she could still be defending Ama. Yeah, I I mean I don't think so, but because you, I, I, I it didn't seem like to me in the show in that moment Adora thinks that Richard's there to arrest her. I think he think she thinks that Richard is there to arrest Emma. Gotcha. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, God, I want to. I want to watch it again now. Maybe you're right because you watched it multiple times, so maybe I just got the wrong read on it. But when I heard her say that, I was like, "Oh shit!" 
I thought so too at first. Yeah. Like I, I definitely thought that she was saying like Amma is mentally ill, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So we get to get back, circle back around though, because since I, I mean I don't know if we can come down one way or another for sure, but the don't tell Mama thing. What was your what was your take on that? This sounds like maybe you had an alternate take. So I I mean I that's what I really just didn't know what to make of it at first. I was really thinking about this for a while, and I wanted to ask you, but I think it's 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 more. Um, I think it was an interesting way to end the show more than it was something being told to Camille, even though it definitely was being told to her. Um, it's just like, don't tell mama. It's a callback to the fact that like Adora is killing people. They're both serial killers. I get, I guess my read on it is just that she, she didn't want her mom to know this side of her because she wanted to be this innocent girl in front of her mom at all times. When I also think it shows how deluded Emma is about her relationship with Camille, because I think, mm she's like we're sisters and we we were co-conspirators here you've it's kind of like when you when when like your you know your sibling sees you doing something you're not supposed to be doing according to the parents and then you say like we're we're in on this together now don't tell her that you know you saw me doing this and i think here it's like yeah it's like it's almost ridiculous the the, the idea that she would she would keep this secret but maybe yeah. she and maybe Emma believes that in this moment because she actually thinks they have this relationship right now right so I feel like we should definitely mention this scene just because I felt like it was really weird. The Jackie scene when Jackie's going to see Adora right after mm. they're leaving. What did that really mean to you for the show? Because the show kind of had a different, they were mad, like Camille and Jackie were mad at each other last they saw each other. And then this scene is like really weird about how she like invites her to come visit sometime or maybe I'll come visit. Do you think that that was their way of just like patching up their relationship or was there something else there? Yeah, I think they 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 make Jackie seem yeah just like more complicit in the show, mm-hmm. and more almost like she she has a lot to gain from Adora being taken down. Like she can become the next kind of queen of the town, and so I think Camille at least um, doesn't view Jackie as a friend, <laughs> you know. Whereas I think in the in the book it was a little different in my opinion. It seemed more like genuine like Jackie genuinely just cared about them and was in a, like a bad place and couldn't couldn't call a door out on it because she didn't have proof that kind mm-hmm. of stuff I don't know yeah. that, I guess that was my take on it yeah I agree with you I think it's that when like I was talking about before with Alan it's like the being a wind gap resident is like being complicit to these things and and letting things happen without making a fuss and sh- rocking the boat. And I think it was more of like that was her character and that she was kind of apologizing for it. But you can tell that their relationship isn't ever going to be good. Like she probably won't ever go to visit. Yeah. I did want to touch on a couple details we got in the book that we didn't get in the show um, yeah. that, that I thought were, were perfect for this world. Um, there's a there's a website put up called freeadora.org yeah, by people who in the town who like don't believe that she should be should have been imprisoned for killing Marion that it was like just that it was just like an accident or something I guess and that she's being wrongly called a killer and all this stuff and yeah it's very like it is very wind gap right like to try and just kind of like gloss over it and not care about what happened to somebody and it's more about um this person you like I don't know like you can almost extrapolate this out to to like a lot of what's going on in Hollywood with with like men who are getting outed as sexual predators and and people who don't want to believe it right and and want to stand up for them just because that's the person they know and like the and and like you're familiar they with don't and you want it. to like you don't want to yeah. believe it and and yeah. that's that happens here with Adora people in town just don't want to believe it and and so they're going to actually do this thing where they're trying to fucking free her 
and then yeah, you, we also hear about all these books being written about this murderous family and and her her part in it. And I I guess I just want to take a moment to talk about that 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 dynamic of the family of the mother who is got Munchausen's by proxy who wants attention through harm that she deals to her kid. And then you have the kid who um, wants attention from the mother and is willing to murder anyone who gets the attention. And then you have Camille who kind of opted out of this attention from the mother. And then we see her just like her whole entire life has been wrecked by it. Right. Like, and, 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 um, and everything that's gone on with his family. And she even talks at the end about how she worries that she has the same sickness. Yeah, that and, was very interesting. That's something yeah. we should talk. That yeah. that the idea that she thinks that the way that she cares about Ama is too close to she feels like does she should she like caring for Ama because it's her sister and it's the right thing to do, or does she have the same sickness that Adora has? Right. Yeah, and and you could you could argue. I mean, I don't think this is the case, but I think the book is putting it out there. Like, is her writing these articles and and outing her family is that like a way to get sympathy? And I don't think it is, but I think in a, in a mind that worries about that, I think she could rightfully get caught up on it, right? And say, like, oh, yeah. my God, am I just doing the same thing my mother did? Um, and it's sad. Like, it's tragic that she could think that because I don't think that that is the case at all. But I could see her worrying about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really, really fascinating family, right? And and and, if, and I think reading the Wikipedia thing where we were reading the, the quote from Gillian Flynn talking about wanting to write villainous women... I want to say really? that I think reading that at the beginning really set us down the path that we For need sure. to be on because I think the whole time I was going, she said she wants, she likes to write about this. Right. So that's probably why it's going to be the women in this book. Um, whereas I think if you read this novel, it's the first thing you ever read from Gillian Flynn and you knew nothing about her. She had no other career. Like, I think a lot of this would have been a lot more surprising, right? Like, right. Well, I would say in general, predict. I would say in general, if I was just a casual, if I was casually reading this book rather than reading it for the podcast, and if I didn't know the things that we knew going in, I think that you would have a different experience because you're more likely to just go go with the mystery and kind of try to figure it out as you're reading it. But it's like, if you don't, if you don't, if you're the kind of person like me, like I like to read a ton and then, and then put the book down whenever I have to. If you're like that, you're probably not going to have time to process every little detail and come up with the end of the mystery like we have here because we're, you know, we're reading in sections and taking a lot of time to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another thing I want to talk about happens in the book. Um, We find out what happens to Emma. She gets arrested, but and sent to this like, um, like almost like a mental institution. Yeah. And but she's we learn that she's only going to be locked up until she turns 18 and then she's going to be released. Um, and it's because she's a minor, right? And and I, it's one of those things where it's I think it's like a, like a fair. It's like um, it, the the book is asking a question, right? Like, is that something we should be okay with? And you know, it's like in our society, it's like you know, if you're a kid and you commit a crime, like you don't you shouldn't necessarily have the rest of your life taken away. But then you also get, I don't know, I got the sense that like Emma's not going to be cured by this mm. by her time in the mental institution. She's going to get out and be just as bad. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it, there's definitely something to be said there. And it's. I think it's like we can get into law if we want to, but I think we just briefly, I would say like, I think in an egregious situation like this, like Ama situation, there shouldn't be any sort of like, oh, you're a minor, like slapping on the wrist type thing. Like, So you think she should have been tried as an adult? I think so, yeah. I, when this kind of stuff happens, you have to, because otherwise you end up I with people know, man, like this that end back up. So, so let me just play you know, devil's advocate here. 
she you could also say this girl was twisted by her mother like she was living with someone who was poisoning her mm-hmm. and you in like yeah she 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 backslid and killed somebody once she got out of that situation um but how like but but could is could you be rehabilitated and you know what i mean like once you're like truly out of it and away from it and i don't know like I think there's also the world of fiction and there's also the real world. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's like, yeah. I have a, I have a hope that ev- anyone can be rehabilitated and anyone can in the right situation, come back around. But I'm also like a, you know, positive person that thinks that way. If I think that my argument, if this was the real world would be if she had killed these people and then gotten away from her mom, then I would think I would try her as a minor potentially, or at least think about it. But it's the fact that she had gotten away from her mom and then had to do it again and killed this girl that would kind of cement it for me. That it was like, it's not going to just be something that goes away relatively easy. And it seems like it was like, I don't know. There's no easy answer here because we've seen, I mean, um, so I listened to some true true crime podcasts (laughs) and um, I think it was the last podcast on the left, which I mentioned in a previous episode. They did an episode about uh, Ed Kemper which is mm-hmm. he's one of the main like mind things hunter. in Mind Hunter. Yeah. Um but he murdered his grandparents when he was a minor. And then went and spent time in an institution a mental institution and then was released when he became of age because they thought that he was no longer a danger to anyone. And then he went on to to be a serial killer who murdered all these women, right? Yep. Um and then actually killed his mother. Um so that's an example of where it's like he played the system. And right. convinced them, told them the things they wanted to hear so he could get out and do it again. And you could totally see, I could totally see Emma doing the same thing here, right? Um, and, and I think it just shows how, like, the, like, it's like the 1% of the 1% of, of most fucked up serial killer minds, right? And how our, our system can't really, it's, like, not nimble enough to be able to handle someone like that. Because if you make laws for that one crazy case... There's going to be so many other people who get caught up in it who would actually be able to be rehabilitated, who aren't that, like, you know, Machiavellian level planner of serial killer. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I understand the difficulty in trying to make laws for this sort of thing, because yeah. who gets to decide whether or not you're you're an Ed Kemper or if you're someone who was raised in a fucked up situation, did something terrible, but like can have a normal life if you j- are just rehabilitated. And how right. can you ever know? Yeah, I it's think it's tough. just case by case, and it's just yeah. like the law. Everybody knows the law is broken, and who who really knows how these yeah. things can. And, and maybe like maybe the the answer is like there needs to be more follow up because I think the main problem is like with Ed Kemper, it seems like he was just like released, and he they first off they sent him back to live with his mother, who they knew was the source of all this crazy like problems, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, go live with their mother, you'll be okay. And then like that was it. There was no more like follow ups or anything, as far as I know. Um, so yeah, like maybe maybe not just like release and you're and you're free to go and you don't ever have to come back in and we're not going to check in on you or anything like that. Like maybe that's bad. <laughs> maybe I there needs that, to be yeah. some sort of like uh, like uh, continuing something. I don't yeah. know what it is and what it looks like, but anyway, that's uh, that's something for people who uh, think about this a lot more than I do. Need to <laughs> need to figure out. So I did want to uh, give some shout outs because we got some feedback this week, Um, partly from my family. Uh, We already mentioned Caitlin earlier, uh, my sister and uh, your girlfriend. (laughs) Yes. Um, And and we also got uh, Ben, my brother, wrote in as well. Um, I think I guess my family is really digging this show. Um, Yeah. And my brother, I mean, he wrote other things. Uh, He he had a lot of feedback for us, but I'm going to focus on this first this first point here he makes. 
He says, internal thoughts on screen as flashes of memories often manifested seamlessly within scenes. A big deal because usually that's when I, that's what I tell people you lose when you're getting in an adaptation. You don't get internal thoughts except an occasional voiceover. This is something I think we talked about very early on, but but I like I like the way she, way he put that 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 is they really cleverly found a way right to to show internal thoughts on screen. I mean, this is this is one of the major things that stood out to me about this show and what makes it feel really unique and like vital. The flashes that we get and the like the merging of time periods and the way that it all comes together and how it like contemplates a lot of these things. Like we feel when Camille is contemplating, we're contemplating with her and we're seeing flashes of things and and um, it just it just makes for a more close feeling with the character rather than it just being told to you in like a voiceover or not getting it at all. Yeah, it's a really clever way to do it. I, I don't necessarily want to act like this has never been done before. No, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm but sure I mean, it has. It was, it was done really well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you, it's, 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 it's taking something that's been done and just really finding a great way to do it. And I, and I agree. Especially the fact that the town is the way it is really plays a huge factor in making this feel like this might not work in another show. But the way that they do it, like you said, it's, it is, it's, it's technically impressive and it's also this town has so much built into it and so many memories and hidden secrets and things that we're getting doled out to us in this way. And I think it works really well, like you said. Yeah, man. Um, so I also want to want to shout out uh, Grant, uh, another one of our listeners who's not related to us in any way, <laughs> um, who wrote in uh, saying that he enjoyed the way we covered this this uh, this show. And he, and he asked if we would consider doing a graphic novel like uh, The Watchmen or V for Vendetta. So what's your what's your response to that? I mean, absolutely. I'm heavily influenced by comics and, and graphic novels and stuff. So I would love to do those at some point. We've talked about doing some other ones as well. I think we can yeah. safely say that we're going to do Watchmen um, yeah. and V for Vendetta. I'd love to. So Yeah, I, I agree. I think the only challenge is not a huge one, but it's just that you're taking something that's very visual, um, you know what I mean? And you're trying to talk about it in an audio format, but we already do that with movies. So yeah, I don't see any reason why we can't. And I think, uh, I think Watchmen is, is a for sure. Cause we know that, uh, Damon Lindelof is going to be adapting. Although it sounds like his is more of a spiritual adaptation or like a follow-up almost. And I mean, if but, we do that, yeah. I feel like we'll still, within that coverage, we'll probably hit on Snyder's Watchmen as well. Yeah, yeah, whether we'll do a whole episode for it or not, I don't know. Maybe we will. Yeah, maybe we'll do the book. Maybe we'll do Zack Snyder, and then and then we'll do the show in some fashion. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely think that's going to be in the cards for us eventually. So I just have one more thing that I want to talk about, but I think fittingly we should talk about this at the very end. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Let's, say, let's save it for the very end. So we just talked about her, but we're going to shout out one of our patrons. Uh, this is actually my girlfriend, your sister. I almost, I almost flipped that. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't. Uh, and we just wanted to thank her for supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, thanks, Galen. And to all of our patrons, we we really appreciate you helping us out and continuing this podcast. Yeah, it make a huge difference uh, in, in the, our ability to do this show. Uh, I also just want to say, if you can want to connect with us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Ink to Film on all three. You know, come follow us. And if you want to send feedback like the ones that we got, you can send whatever feedback that you get to inktofilm at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to support us in a way that doesn't require any money at all, leaving us a review on iTunes helps boost us. It helps get uh, visibility for the show, which is extremely helpful.
And thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. All right, man, you said you had one final topic, so let's get it uh, before we before we close off this project. So the final topic, since we've kind of done our credits here, when we get into the credits of the episode, (laughs) our post-credit scene is actually we get like flashes of Ama killing, killing the the girls, killing, killing uh, Anne, Natalie and Maya, I believe her name was. Yeah, I think it's Lily in the book. Yeah, I think it is different. They changed it. I don't know why. Yeah, but let's talk about the the flashes and the way that did you end up like going back and pausing and seeing trying to parse through it or did you just experience it? I didn't it like pause. That? No, I just kind of experienced it and and it was funny cuz I started writing a note that said, "Well, they didn't reveal and you know, Emma um they didn't reveal how Emma killed the girls and like that her, the fact that her friends helped and all this stuff." Mm-hmm. And I was getting I was like writing that note as it flashed up on screen. And I, and and I don't know, like I, I want to get your take. Like how did you feel about the the format of doing that because i almost i i almost didn't like it i loved it. um see because i work because there are a lot of people and i am one of these people who will often stop a credit sequence because they want to talk about what they've just seen so they'll pause it because to like stop the music and they'll talk about like what we've just seen with the person you're sitting across from and then by the time you're done talking about it you're like all right, and then you turn it off. So I'm wondering, like, there's got to be people who didn't see those sequences. And so the risk you're running of doing that, I think, is is big. And that, those are really important bits of information in my well, opinion. Well, I would, I would argue that, so so this is this is kind of how I came down on it and why I loved it. So the show is Camille's show. We've talked about this multiple times. It's so close to Camille. And to, to, show, her, to show her realizing it and then flashing to... Uh, Ama killing the girls wouldn't make any sense for how close it was to her. So by flashing, a, by flash cutting to black and having Camille just be left to wonder and us left to wonder, and then ending up giving us the scenes that that we wanted to like wanted to see, kind of. Um, yeah, I think that that's smart, and I think that the the way that it's like the perspective that we would have never gotten through Camille, like we cut away to these these gruesome murders that happened, um, and that shot of of. Ama there at the end just like revel like she was just loving it she was lo- like having such a good time killing these people you know what i think it is too i think it's i mean like i worry about missing it and like i think back about episodes where i'm like was there a bonus scene that i missed because i definitely right. stopped it well this and- is this is my thing is that if you if you watch the show chances are you're probably going to go online and talk about it or hear somebody talk about it and if you hear that there's a scene because it's hbo go or if hbo in general if you have it you're probably going to go back and try to see the scene. Yeah, but now now you have to. And might you be a little bit annoyed when you're like, oh, fuck, there was something bonus. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I could see being, I don't know. So I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think for me also, I am someone who hates Marvel post-credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the fact that every time I see a fucking Marvel movie, I have to sit in the theater for 20 minutes and watch an insane length of shit to get the final scene. You don't have no, to. No, but I do have to. No, you don't. If I don't do it then, I'm never going to see it because I'm totally never going to look it up because I don't care enough. <laughs> well, all those people, all those people who made the movie wanted you to see their name. God, man. I And they, like, they don't like, and I fucking hate it because as I'm watching it, I'm always like, I, I said this to my wife. I'm like, couldn't they just fucking double time it for me? Like just double time the, the, the you know what I mean? Like your name is still there. And if you want to pause it later, you can see it on the DVD, <laughs> but fucking double time that shit so that I can get my ass out of this theater. Uh, I don't like it. If you were, if your name was in the credits, you wouldn't want them to double time past your name. Double time it, man. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't care. 
I'm there. You can pause it. You, yeah, no one's reading every fucking name anyway. If There's you're in the premiere, ten thousand names. If get, you're in the premiere or, the or something, you're definitely they reading list, the names. They list the entire country of New Zealand and some of that shit. Like <laughs> it's like it's like literally just go down the citizens of New Zealand. We're gonna list every single one for Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Like it's like it's crazy. Some yeah. of those. I mean, it's. Nah, I don't know, man. Um, sorry, that's another uh, another uh, soapbox moment. But so I think I have a little bit of that, and then yeah, and then my worry that whenever I don't watch a show, whenever I don't watch like the TV and movies are now trying to teach me that I have to watch to the end of every credit sequence, and I just don't know if I like that. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a little I bit mean... frustrated with that. <laughs> anyway, we've gone on too long in this post credit scene. We should probably we should probably end it, man. Unless you get something else. Yeah, let's go ahead and end it. <laughs> okay, so uh, I do want to say we're going to be covering Coraline next. Um, we probably should have said that earlier. Um, so we hope you c- come and listen to Coraline. We're going to do a episode for the book and then an episode for the movie, back to our normal format. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan, so I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, this has been a fun project. Uh, it's been cool to try something different. So thank you so much for coming along with us on this journey. Um, and yeah, we hope you come back next week. Yeah, thanks for listening. I can't wait for Coraline also. I'm just, I, I like the studio that makes Coraline. Like they just, I, we'll talk about it when we get there, but I can't wait. Cool, man. All right. Uh, until then, I'm Luke. And I'm James. See ya. <laughs>